It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara. Welcome to This Week in the Big East. It's our 10th and final episode this season of the weekly look at the teams, coaches, players, and stories from the schools in the Big East Conference. I'm John Rook with Kevin McNamara, and for many fans in the East, heck, throughout the country, this is a favorite time of the year. And why is that? With all of the hand wringing, the sweat pouring, the teeth chattering, the nerves jumping, all the play on the floor. Because it's madness, I tell you, madness. There's simply something magic about college basketball in March, and here at Madison Square Garden, the world's most famous arena, magic has already happened a little bit this year. So how much more, Kev, can a person take or an Eastern basketball fan take here? John, I just want to say how excited I am to be back at the Garden. Imagine the fans. You know, we're on the inside. We go to games. We talk to the coaches every week. The fans, they love coming to the Garden. They love being in New York, being around Big East basketball, and certainly it's been an outstanding year. Makes us really appreciate where we've been, I think, over the last two years without question, doesn't it? I hear that over and over this week in New York. I'm so excited to be back. This is people, you know, fans saying this from all all the schools. It's not just, you know, uh, Connecticut, first time here in 11 years. Uh, people from Creighton and, and, and Butler are so excited to be back in New York watching Big East basketball. And, yes, it's been a long two years. It's been a fantastic 10th season here for us here on the program. And the basketball season leading up to the culmination of the 2022 tournament here has been nothing short of remarkable really in so many different ways so let's lead it off with our final look at this week's Big East headlines We just mentioned some magic on the floor a bit, and it certainly occurred in the opening stages of this 40th anniversary of the Big East in the Midtown Manhattan. Butler knocked out Xavier. Providence found a way to win again, keeping alive their best season in 45 years. We'll run through the all-Big East postseason honors in just a few minutes, but suffice to say, no one is terribly surprised with Providence's Ed Cooley taking Coach of the Year and Villanova's Colin Gillespie winning a second straight Player of the Year award. Very deserved on both fronts. Depending upon conference tournaments around the country, there remains every opportunity for the Big East to play seven teams out of their 11 members in next week's NCAA tournament, even with Xavier squarely on the bubble with some late-season stumbles. Three Big East teams remain ranked this week in the Associated Press Top 25. Providence, Villanova, UConn, Seton Hall still receiving votes on the outside. Marquette and Creighton appeared in the coaches' poll. In the NCAA net ranking, six Big East teams were still ranked in the top 48 in the top 67 at week's end. So, Kev, I'll ask you now, biggest issues here. Xavier's stumbling a bit at the finish line, so can they still get in, and might there be an opportunity for a bid steal somewhere else with the high net rankings overall? Well, we see so many of our friends who've come on the show talking brackets and bracketology. Xavier is going to be one of the teams that the NCAA Tournament Committee is talking about deep into Sunday, Sunday afternoon. John, they might be the last team in or the last team out. You know, the late season struggles that you talked about really did do in the Musketeers. I always like to say if you've had opportunities and not be able to make your own case, Xavier's had an awful lot of opportunities and just didn't get it done late in the year. So really, before we, we kind of move along any longer, I think it most likely will come down to what happens in other places around the country. But Xavier still has a, a track record. And Kev, we spent most of the season talking about it. They, they've got enough perhaps done in the non-conference portion of the schedule and early conference schedule to be able to, to, to be considered, I think. 
there's no question, really good wins against Oklahoma State, Cincinnati, Virginia Tech. You know, not any great, great wins, uh, but... You know, certainly a very strong Big East season. They're going to be a team, again, they're going to be one of those final teams in or out. Hey, thank you to our Westwood One affiliate stations for being with us this season. Thank you for catching us on SiriusXM. And, you know, if you listen on your favorite podcast site, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Give us that review if you can't, and we would appreciate it. Thank you to our podcast partners all season long. And for more on the podcast, always visit the website. It's established at www.twitby.buzzsprout.com. You can always listen online, westwoodonesports.com, bigeast.com, to catch any past editions. Inside Episode 10 this week, with the Big East Tournament looming in our media future, we'll get an inside look at the perspective from a Big East coach who built his team a bit differently this season and has had solid success at Creighton with Greg McDermott. We'll also hear from the Big East Coach of the Year, who becomes the first Friar coach in 43 seasons to claim the honor, PC's Ed Cooley. And the Player of the Year? Ho-hum, but not a ho-hum effort at all. Villanova's Colin Gillespie wins the honor for a second straight season. He joins us next. This week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight. Big East Spotlight. Gillespie gives it off to Moore, goes right back to Gillespie on the left wing. Double team momentarily. Gillespie is going to raise up for a deep three and nail it. A swish from the left wing. Great start on the road tonight. Gillespie, long three. It's good from the right wing. Shot that kind of stepped in. Shot it with a lot of confidence. Big basket for Gillespie and the Wildcats. And welcome back to This Week in the Big East. And perhaps the best thing that can be said about perennial power Villanova is Nova just gunning Nova. Kevin, it's remarkable what Hall of Fame coach Jay Wright has been able to develop and keep running on Philly's main line. All the Big East wants to know this answer, John. We've had Jalen Brunson, we've had Ryan Arch, and now we have Colin Gillespie. Who's next? And you think about those players have been not only excellent leading point guards, they've been the players of the year and All-Americans at the most important position. This is how a program becomes a blue blood program, right? Ranking right up there with some of the bigger names in the sport, don't you think? You you sprinkle around, you know, Mikel Bridges and some of the other great players they've had. That's why Villanova is certainly a blue blood. Well, our visit with the Big East Player of the Year, Wildcats fifth-year senior Colin Gillespie, is a tale of overcoming adversity since he tore up his knee just a year ago. And we wondered if he thought this day, a day where he became the league player of the year again, would even be possible. Back inside Madison Square Garden, visiting with Colin Gillespie, the Big East Player of the Year uh, from Villanova University. And Colin, first of all, congratulations. I know it's a great honor for you, but I have to wonder, this time a year ago, after you'd torn up your leg... If you thought this day was possible, um, I would have. I wouldn't have believed you uh, if you said that. But um, my teammates and coaches instill a lot of confidence in me, and uh, they push me to just be the best person, the best version of myself every day. So uh, a lot of the credit goes to those guys, and just um, pushing me to be where I am today. And, and without them, I wouldn't be in this position. Hey, Colin, when he, we had Coach Wright on our show earlier this year, we asked him about the process of this time last year through getting you back on the court, which I think he said maybe was not until early September, you know, late August. Can you take us through that, how difficult it was? What were the low points, high points? Was it uh, maybe tougher than you expected? Yeah, there was a lot of ups and downs. Um, it was hard at times where uh, I felt like I wasn't going to get back to that point. But like I said, my teammates and coaches really – 
um, helped me get to that place uh, mentally and physically. But uh, a lot of credit goes to the strength and conditioning coach, John Shackleton, and uh, our trainer, Dan Erickson. Those guys were in there with me uh, when everybody went home, and uh, they stayed in extra just to help me get back faster. And, uh, yeah, I, I missed most of the summer uh, just rehabbing, lifting, uh, doing anything that I could to, to speed up the process. But then I got back early, mid-August, uh, and I was able to do some on-court things. And then ever since then, it's just been um, practicing, trying to get those habits back that uh, every Villanova basketball player wants to have. Was there ever a moment where you said, I don't know about this? Uh, there were days where it hurt. Um, and it, w- it would swell up, and I just would question whether I was going to get back to that point. And my, my trainer uh, had a lot of conversations with me just about how he's seen so many of so many things like this before and uh, that I would definitely get back to that spot, if not better. So um, I'm just super appreciative of the people that I had around me during that time, uh, my family, my coaches, my teammates, uh, all the staff that was there to help me. Uh, I'm super appreciative and grateful for them. Curious, did you? Obviously, also during COVID, I'm curious, were you on campus the whole time or, or at home? I know your parents are here today, and I'm sure uh, they were big time through that process as well. Yeah, uh, my mom actually came, and uh, after I had my surgery, she would stay with me at school because my plan was to go out to the NCAA tournament if I could. Uh, and then maybe a week into it, I was struggling to just kind of get showers by myself and uh, get food on my own. So I had to go home. Um, and then once I got home, they kind of just did everything for me. And uh, they were there for me whenever I needed them. My brother and my sister were, were as well. And uh, I had a lot of people in my corner that were uh, that loved me and care about me and were going to do anything to help me. And I was able to go out to, to the Baylor game a couple weeks later and sit up in the stands. That was tough to watch watch from the stands. It was really different, but um, it puts everything in perspective and, and makes you really appreciate everything. All right, so let's dial it forward now. You're healing. You're getting better. You're back on the floor. You're playing. You're working out. You're participating. At what point in time this season did you think, I'm back? Or did you ever think that? Yeah, it, it took a couple games, uh, g- getting a couple games under my belt, just getting back into uh, a game flow. Uh, it's it's hard to replicate that in practices or uh, in scrimmages, having uh, real game energy there. So um, it took a game or two, and then I was I got more comfortable as the season went on, and uh, my teammates put me in situations and positions where uh, I could be successful. So. Um, it took a few games for sure. John, he's Colin Gillespie. It took a couple games. No big deal. I, I actually saw you guys early in the year at Mohegan Sun. I believe it was a Tennessee game. And after a half, we saw Villanova play like Villanova with yeah. Colin Gillespie as the key guy. How, how consistent have you guys been all season? Maybe going back to that as maybe a flashpoint because that was one of your bigger wins of the season. Yeah, uh, we've had a lot of ups and downs throughout the season and um, just a lot of learning experiences for us. We played uh, a really tough schedule early on, and I think it prepared us for the Big East. And then uh, we came to the Big East, and um, we knew how great every team was. We have a ton of respect for everyone, and 
uh, we were just just learning. We were continuing to grow. Uh, whether it was a win or a loss, we were going to come back the next day, grow and get better. And I think that's the mindset uh, that this team has uh, going into the postseason. Well, probably a lot of people aren't aware of right now, and I know I'm probably jumping ahead a little bit, but you actually have a little bit of relationship with the gentleman who won the Coach of the Year in the Big East, and Ed Cooley, because you played for him on that World University Games team, Pan Am Games, a couple of years ago. So... From that point in time to this point in time, did you guys ever mention anything about this that could could happen to either one of your careers along the way? No. Um, I talked to him a little while after that, uh, and then he would reach out. Um, he reached out last year when I got hurt, and uh, I have great respect for Coach Cooley. Uh, he's a great coach, um, and obviously I was, I was really grateful to be a part of something like that out in uh, Peru with the – with the Pan American teams game. Uh, yeah, but he, he's a great coach, and uh, I don't think if you told us this three years ago, we would have <laughs> believed you guys, but um, definitely super grateful and honored to be a part of it. Uh, John Collin is also the Big East Scholar Athlete of the Year, yeah. uh, fifth-year college student uh, through the pandemic, uh, through COVID. Colin, how has all that been to keep your life you know, going forward and kind of keep – you know, achieving your educational goals as well. It had to be a challenge. Yeah, um, being a student athlete is, is tough, but uh, being in my fifth year, I've kind of learned the ins and outs of it. I, I've, I've learned how to uh, manage my time and when, when I know how to uh, get things done, when I know I have to get things done. And uh, it's, it's obviously a little bit easier. You have a little bit more time on your hands. You're not in class as much. Uh, so I'm just able to kind of focus on basketball and, and doing that, but also making sure that I'm getting my work done and uh, having everything in order that way as well. And, and Zoom. He, he discovered what Zoom is, like <laughs> cl- classes via Zoom. I don't know if that was easier or harder, Colin, but, uh, you know, it's a change too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's a change for a lot of people. Some people are successful with it and like it more, and some people like to be in person. And, uh, I'm an in-person kind of guy. I think sitting behind a computer for a while, uh, you could get distracted. So I like being in, in class and uh, present uh, if I can. All right, final one from this point of view. With the postseason basically still ahead of you guys, I know that you have great expectations. You put them all on your shoulders yourselves. What's this team capable of doing? What are your teammates capable of helping you achieve, do you think, this year? You've got some experience in winning big in the past. Could that happen again? Uh, I mean, I think we have a great team, a great group uh, that's that's open to coaching and learning. And um, I think we've been in a lot of a lot of close games, a lot of big games uh, this year. So I think our guys will be ready, and uh, we're going to compete and make sure that we play Villanova basketball at a high level for 40 minutes each time we step on the floor. Seems like he's been around forever, Colin Gillespie. Big East teams and fans. Got to be glad he's moving on finally. But you know what? He's represented himself. He's represented his family. He's represented his school extraordinarily well, Kevin. John, one of the bonuses of our job is we get, we get to know these guys. And they come in as 18, 19-year-old you know, young boys, men, and they leave real men. And Colin Gillespie, he, he's a credit to his family and, and to Villanova for sure. Who's hot? Well, we've got the Big East Players of the Week, the postseason awards to talk about. Was there anybody snubbed by the coaches? Kevin and I will talk about that next. Next, this week in the Big East. Coming up, who's hot? This week in the Big East, who's hot? Manaya with a rebound. Six seconds left. Up the floor is Durham. Gives it to Bynum. Scoots to the left. Fires a three. For the win! Bynum nails the three! 
Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara from Madison Square Garden in New York. Player of the Week and the Freshman of the Week for the final week of the regular season. Kevin, Justin Lewis, Marquette, is a guy that deserved to be on the first team all-league postseason team. We'll talk about that more in a moment, but he averaged 27 points and eight and a half rebounds in the final week of the regular season for Marquette. The Freshman of the Week is a guy that we talked about quite a bit. Arthur Kaluma from Creighton. Talking about Creighton's success, and we'll have have a chance to do that a little bit later more in the show, but Kaluma, one of three Creighton freshmen that really had outstanding rookie seasons. John, I can see Arthur Kaluma becoming a Justin Lewis type player as soon as next year. We've talked an awful lot about Ryan Nemhart and Trey Alexander, deservedly so. Kaluma's been the quote third a freshman from Creighton. He may end up being the best by the end of his college career. All right, so let's get now into the postseason honors overall because this is where everybody has their arguments. Everybody wants their team's guys to get in. Everybody thinks that their coach did a good job or didn't do a good job. So what we'll kind of do is we'll run through the list, and then I want to concentrate on, okay, number one, who had the best years, number one, and number two, who were the snubs? Mm-hmm. I think it's fair to at least go that route. So start off all, uh, with the first team, all Big East, Colin Gillespie, the player of the year. We just got a chance to speak to him, and, and I don't think there's any question that anybody much will doubt that. Although you can certainly say a couple of other individuals had great individual years, Justin Lewis, as we just talked about, and probably Julian Champagne from uh, St. John's, right? No question, but uh, player of the year, I think that's really clear cut. I do have some issues with the rest of the first team, so go right ahead. All right, so on that first team, two members of the Connecticut Huskies, R.J. Cole and Adama Sinogo, followed by Justin Lewis and Julian Champagne, who we just mentioned, and Jared Roden from Seton Hall. It's representative... But where are your problems? So I pick six, just like the Big East coaches pick six players. And I had both Justin Moore of Villanova and Jared Bynum of Providence on my first team. The guys who I would take off, because you're going to take somebody off, uh, would be R.J. Cole from Connecticut and Jared Rodham from Seton Hall. No knock against R.J. or Jared. Uh, excellent seasons. They led their teams into the NCAA tournament. Cer- certainly an outstanding year. But I just think Justin Moore's impact alongside Gillespie. And maybe I like winners. No, no first-teamers from the uh, regular season champs, Providence. Uh, obviously, putting Bynum on the team would, would strike that. Second team, Ryan Hawkins, Creighton. Javon Freeman, Liberty, DePaul, who, by the way, led the conference in scoring, even though he missed a lot of time with injury. Jared Bynum and Nate Watson from Providence. Nate was a preseason first-team selection. And Justin Moore, Villanova, who you just talked about. A great group. Really don't have much of an issue with any of those guys. Freeman, Liberty really came on strong for DePaul. Uh, unfortunate that DePaul couldn't get it going in the uh, in the Big East tournament. But uh, Kalkbrenner, maybe he'd be the only guy, Ryan Kalkbrenner from Creighton, who I'd maybe try to find a spot on that second team somewhere. But I wouldn't take anyone away. So it's a tough, tough spot right there. All Big East honorable mention, the league doesn't really go to a third team or even call an all-defensive team, but they do make an honorable mention team along with the all-freshman team, which we'll mention in a moment. But on the honorable mention, Ryan Kalkbrenner from Creighton, Daryl Morcel Marquette, Posh Alexander St. John's, Jack Nunji from Xavier. Each of those individuals had really super seasons in their own right. Posh was a, a preseason all-league pick. Kalkbrenner perhaps the most improved, although he was the defensive player of the year. Morcel and Nunji both transfers for the first year in the league. Four good players. You know, John, there's one guy who 
I know Connecticut's not happy that he wasn't included in some way. Now, Connecticut shouldn't complain. They have two first-teamers. First but Tyrese Martin from UConn, yeah. I can make a case that Tyrese Martin impacted more UConn games than any other UConn player. So uh, this league has got an awful lot of very good players. Big East all-freshman team, Amina Muhammad, Georgetown. And then the three from Creighton, Ryan Nemhard, who was the freshman of the year. You had Trey Alexander and Arthur Kaluma, who, of course, was the freshman of the week, final week of the regular season. Then you had two others, Cam Jones from Marquette, Jordan Hawkins from UConn, that could be stars in this league for the next three years. Good group. You know, we talked about it all year. Freshmen had a tough time cracking rotations this year because of all the super seniors and the transfers and whatnot. All those freshmen, they made their impact, and there's no question. They will be building blocks going forward. All right, so how about the individual honors overall? And were there any problems with Defensive Player of the Year and Ryan Kalkbrenner? He did lead the league in blocks. He was certainly one of the most improved players overall. He is a force inside for the Blue Jays. There's no question. you got the game plan when you take the ball inside and down low in the post against the Blue Jays. How about Adama Sonogo, John? Great rebounder, really good shot blocker. For some reason, I didn't see chatter about him being a defensive player of the year and certainly outstanding post player. Most improved player. Award went to Justin Lewis from Marquette. And considering where he was last year, we could see it in flashes as a freshman a year ago for Marquette. Most deserving, I think, as he's he looks like he's going to play uh, in, in the big league at some point in time very, very soon. Selfishly, I hope he's back at Marquette next year. I know that he, he, he's someone who should test the waters because he does have NBA ability, no question. And, and John, I, I think that when these coaches sit down and the coaches vote, it's not the media or everybody, it's the coaches. You have a problem, you, you, <laughs> email your favorite coach. There's two clear-cut most improved players, Justin Lewis and Jared Bynum. And they went with Justin Lewis, and I think we're going to talk about Jared Bynum next. Because Bynum got the sixth man award, and it's probably fitting it broke down this way, even though you could make a case for Bynum being most improved, because Bynum really came off of the bench for much of Providence's run when uh, they were really rolling there and got as high as eighth nationally in the country. John, we obviously follow Providence, and I've never seen a player improve more from year to year at Providence than Jared Bynum did. Uh, Last year, I believe it was 12% from the three-point line. This year, 45%. I mean, just amazing. And uh, sixth man, he's a sixth starter. He's not a sixth man. He's the sixth starter. Plays more minutes than most starters. Kevin, uh, we also want to mention the Big E Sportsmanship Award went to uh, Donald Carey from Georgetown. Uh, Georgetown's year was extraordinarily difficult for everyone concerned. Patrick Ewing, the entire you know campus community, the players on the team. Georgetown was not without talent. If you saw the Hoyas play, but like Providence was able to finish games, the Hoyas just could not this year. No, and I give Patrick Ewing an awful lot of credit. After this, their season ending loss at the Garden, he basically said, we're going to fix it. He vows to fix it, and I'm glad that Georgetown is sticking by him uh, and bringing Patrick back. That brings us right back to the very beginning of it all and the three major awards, of course. Coach of the Year, Ed Cooley. think you can make a case for perhaps Greg McDermott, but I think Ed Cooley probably deserves it overall. The fact that Ed is getting National Coach of the Year, not only mentioned, but awards, uh, certainly tells us that he, he did the best job in the Big East this year. Colin Gillespie, Villanova, Player of the Year. I think we've already talked a little about that. You could have made a case perhaps for another couple of players, but look, Villanova's still at the top and Gillespie's still there. So I think that certainly uh, stands to reason he deserves it again for a second straight year. Yeah, we've talked enough about Colin Gillespie and his exploits, but how about this, John? Also the scholar-athlete of the Big East, uh, which just says an awful lot about Colin's character. The freshman of the year, Ryan Nemhard Creighton. 
the sort of the, the, the head of that three-headed snake, I guess, at Creighton, or those talented freshmen that Greg McDermott has. Unfortunate that he broke his wrist late in the year, but he played well enough to deserve the award. Played well enough, and Creighton keeps marching forward without him. I really would have loved to see Creighton in the Big East Tournament, in the NCAA Tournament, with Ryan Nemhart. This has been the time of the year normally in the time of this program throughout the season where we've revisited great moments in Big East Tournament past, our blasts from the past. It's been so much fun looking back at the big moments over the previous 39 seasons here at the Garden. We've already had a few moments this year that could be described as memorable both outside of New York and within New York as well. And it's just amazing. We talked about at the beginning of the program how we're able to, you know, be a part of this overall again and everybody back in the building. But I think that's what's special about Big East basketball is the big moments. John, it's been great to see these clips for the last 40 years on the TV partners. You know, the Pearl, Chris Mullen, uh, Eddie Pickney, uh, Michael Smith uh, from Providence, uh, Ray Allen. It goes on and on and on. Uh, Certainly, the Big East and its history are married with Madison Square Garden, and we're so happy to be back. Next, the Big East Coach of the Year with a team that sometimes defies description, except to say they're prepared, and they've had plenty of opportunity along the way. So is that luck? Providence's Ed Cooley joins us next, this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the Big East Focus. Big East Focus. It's over! The Flyers will advance! (laughs) This team is unbelievable. They find a way to win every single time. This is uncanny what they can do. 65-61! The top seed lives for another day! Welcome back to This Week in the Big East, and from start to finish this season. Surprises just happened. Providence had a couple of early ones with a road win at Wisconsin and a home win against Texas Tech. Those two games opened the eyes of many across the country and began putting Providence front of mind for many fans and media, Kev. No question, John. You know, they came in picked seventh by the Big East coaches. Go on the road at Wisconsin, that really opened some eyes. And then Texas Tech at home was a true slugfest, and you found out that Providence is a fighter. You know, they a lot of tough kids, older, older players. To scratch that one out really opened some eyes nationally. Our visit with the Friars head coach, Ed Cooley, begins with a very simple congratulations for a job well done. At Madison Square Garden with the Big East Coach of the Year, Providence's Ed Cooley. Um, I'm not sure you ever envisioned this moment or ever saw this moment in your future, but congratulations, Coach. I appreciate it. As I'm sitting over here just trying to get a quick minute with the family with you guys honestly it's a surreal moment for me you you know you guys know what we've been through you know how I grew up the fact that I'm here doing this is amazing and I'm grateful I'm appreciative I'm glad my wife is here with my children I'm glad Mr. C. Wright is here I wish Miss C. Wright was here I wish my my biological dad and mom were here Um, really proud of the staff because I think they get overlooked just because you know the head coach gets a lot of the credit this goes to our assistant coaches and the support staff, so I'm grateful. You know, Ed, you said a couple of things at the press conference I thought were very poignant. Number one, you went out of your way to thank Coach Thompson, one of your idols. And number two, there's been some great coaches at Providence, but to put it in perspective, you're the first Friar to be the Big East Coach of the Year. Maybe expound on both of those two items. Well, you've got Hall of Famers, Rick Pitino. You know, Rick Barnes is going to be in the Hall of Fame. You had, you know, Pete Gillen take him to the final eight, chance to go to the final four. Tim Welsh was there for 10 years. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I know I'm just, I'm just incredible. And again, I think right place, right time, right team, right time. You know, the team got to this award. I mean, very little to do about coaching if that team doesn't buy in and have a complete will to want to win. 
when a team doesn't quite have or doesn't know what kind of rudder it has, they have to have somebody, you know, steer the, the ship a little bit. And it kind of seems like you've done that with Providence this year because at times, uh, how else did they learn how to win tough games, close games like you guys have done all season? Well, we practice a lot, you know, I mean, I always tell them, as we said before, you know, I need a chance with four minutes left to play in a game in a one-two possession. If you do that, I trust and believe in what we do daily. And they, they bought into that. They yeah. really bought into that. And again, I think it's the preparation, it's the mindset, and a little bit of luck. You know, John, on that, go back to early in the year, two really big wins, uh, the Texas Tech win and before that, the Wisconsin win. They got you in position, and yet they were still, you know, th- th- those games can go either way. You had so many games that could have gone either way this year. Take us back to those early games and what they've done to catapult you forward. It definitely gave us a lot of confidence against that level of competition. You know, one on the road, one at home. And when you look at both those teams now, uh, I believe Wisconsin didn't have who's probably going to be the player of the year in Davis. There still was a hell of an opponent on the road, and now look what they've done. You know, one of the top teams in the country. You look at Texas Tech, one of the most dominant defensive teams in the country. I think it's a credit to the will of the group. And I I don't know if I'm ever going to coach another team like this, so I'm going to try to enjoy what we're doing, try to make as long of a run as we can. But I'm really happy for our fan base. I'm happy for the students. I'm happy for Bob Driscoll, who is retiring. Just an incredible opportunity. Uh, I think right place, right time. Coach, we've talked about this before, but I wanted to ask you again, what you would say to the point over the course of the season when fans, when media would call Providence lucky and how you developed from that to where you are at this point, or have you? No, I think we've developed, and I, I use that term luck a lot. I think we're all lucky. I think in order to get to this point, you have to have some luck. You know, the metrics don't say where you're supposed to be. I'm, I'm, you, you either win or you lose. You know, they said we can't shoot, you can't do this. I'm just proud of the fact that the guys have been able to keep their composure. And all of us are lucky. I'm lucky to be standing here in front of you right now. So if luck is the narrative, let's continue to be lucky while winning. So coach of the year, it could also be team of the year because you were the first place in the regular season. Uh, looking forward to the NCAA tournament. Where's your team mentally and how focused you know, do you need to be to have a different experience? It'll be the highest seed that Providence ever has in the NCAA tournament. Well, I mean, you know, with an older group, I think we have their attention. I think the time off has really helped us really work on some things. You know, we may be a little rusty early, but hopefully you know, it's, it's a long game that goes fast. And hopefully over the course of the game, we get a little bit more comfortable. I'm looking forward to hopefully Al Durham being, you know, ready to go. Uh, so, you know, it gives us another quality ball him, a decision-making, shot-maker. Um, I'm just excited about being here, and, and hopefully we could advance. What is the coach that maybe we haven't been privy to, or fans or media haven't been privy to, that you really feel has sort of been a straw that stirs the drink for this team this year? We, we know that you've got experience on this team, and that seems to be the one thing that we've always talked about when it comes to talking about the Friars. What else about this team? Is there another character trait there that we're missing? The joy of the group that you all don't have to see day in and day out. The energy in a gym, you know, from start to finish. Um, I would say what you don't see is the joy of this group is something I've never been around. Describe joy. Um, energy, a lot of um, togetherness, like uh, guys cheering for one another, yeah. shooting competitions. Yeah. They, they compete sprints. They compete. The, the, the level of competition and practice, you just can't, okay. you can't duplicate. Hey, uh, Ed, we're standing in Madison Square Garden. I think back to your first games at Madison Square Garden. You weren't a player at this level like oh, some of these other guys. It, far from it, far from it. But you were an assistant coach at Boston College. Al Skinner came in here as the head coach. And you guys had some really successful runs with the Eagles. How did that help 
you, well, you, how did that help you once you get to Providence? It helped a lot. Be, again, uh, being born and raised at, uh, on the Big East has been awesome. Uh, my daughter, who is now going to be 22 years old, she was in my arms when we won the Big East Championship in 2001, and she was she was seven or eight months old. And then I fast forwarded to 2014. We take another picture on that floor. I'll fast forward it to today where she's on the stage with me. You know, this is like the Big East is like a backyard brawl because there's so many schools in proximity, especially the charter members. So I think it prepared you just how to be in the building. How do you be in the building? And that's given me a lot of hope as we've you know been here at Providence. Special moments at all along the way, Coach, that have kind of stood out to you? I mean, you've had some big comebacks. You've had some really thrilling wins at the end. Um, I'm just wondering if anything stands back out to you singularly that uh, really helped make you and what this team ended up being this year? Well, he split his pants a couple of years ago, John. Right? Yeah, do we have any uh, pants splitting this year? I didn't see any towels. I'll tell anyway. you what, I'll take a pants split if we're here playing Saturday night. They can rip all they want. I think a defining moment in this year's team has was at Butler. There was a timeout called, and I walked away from the huddle. And I did that purposely. You know, there wasn't much more I can say. And I wanted them to figure it out. We were fortunate to win in overtime, but I I thought that was a defining moment this year's group. Yeah, you came from 19 back in the second half of that, so sometimes less is more. You know, the haze in the barn at that point, man. And, and again, you got to give them some ownership, and they owned it, and they delivered. Kevin, we've known Ed for some time, you and I. Back to his days as an assistant at Rhode Island, even back to his days playing at Stonehill College in Massachusetts and Central High School in Providence. He's always been gracious and tenacious, and I think that's a fabulous combo. John, I got a great Ed Cooley story. He had been All-State at Central High School as a junior. As a senior, it was time for Paul Kenyon, who's the sports writer at the Providence Journal, to pick his All-State team. Ed came downtown Knocked, got into the Providence Journal. He wanted to talk to Paul Kenyon to assist him with picking the All-State team because he thought that he knew the state better than anybody else. He was right. Well, that just shows uh, you know, it shows so many positive qualities about Ed Cooley that he's been able to transfer it to his adult life. And as a basketball coach, certainly he's been hitting all the right notes for the Friars. Congratulations again, Coach Cooley. Hey, the national perspective this season has been one of age over youth in order to be competitive on the floor. But one coach of the Big East has bucked that trend a bit and built a contender with a trio of freshmen leading the way. Creighton's Greg McDermott explains the Jays' method to success this season next. This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the national perspective. The national perspective. Pitch pass outside, Champagny back in the game, shoots the three and misses it. Rebound to O'Connell, and now the Jays with a two-on-one, all the way home! AOC, layup and foul, count it! Welcome back to this week of the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. And as mentioned, with the transfer portal becoming a major recruiting tool for coaches and players both to reinvigorate careers, a few have chosen a more standard route to success. Creighton might be leading the way in that department, Kev. Well, Greg McDermott's done a great job recruiting. And uh, he basically, he's always had a core and he has a chance to even add more good freshmen to that core. It's tough to say no to good players. We visited with Blue Jays head coach Greg McDermott, and considering there was a major rebuilding job facing the Jays to start the year, five players were rewarded with all-league honors, and that is something to hang your hat on in Omaha. We're back inside Madison Square Garden, visiting with the head coach of the Creighton Blue Jays, Greg McDermott. Coach, I think, really, 
to begin with, you've got a lot of guys that got mentioned this season. Uh, you've had three outstanding freshmen. You had the defensive player of the year. Uh, you happen to be, you know, good buddies as well with the guy who ends up getting coach of the year this year. So I'm just kind of wondering if you can kind of take all of this in right now. And what does this mean for, for you? What does this mean for Creighton's program here in the immediate future? Well, you know, obviously I'm I'm proud of the guys that were, were honored. You know, Ryan Hawkins was on the second team all-conference, and he's been, you know, he's been instrumental in what we've been able to do. And then the other four guys are, you know, the three freshmen on the all-freshman team and then Cockburner, the defensive player of the year, who's a sophomore. So, you know, you would think with some coaching and <laughs> that those four could be pretty good moving forward as well. So really, really proud of them. This team has worked and stayed together through some some pretty adverse times with some of the injuries that we've had to deal with during the course of the season. So, you know, the fact that we're able to finish it off and, and uh, you know, end up with a, wearing a white jersey on Thursday in the, in the Big East tournament is pretty good. And Greg, I think we talked about Colt earlier in the year when you were on the show and his improvement, his gains in, in strength and maturity. Uh, it seems as if he gets better every week. Does it seem that, like that to you as well? Yeah, you know, Kevin, big guys have a tendency to develop a little slower, and I think they have, you know, they have to catch up with their body. And you know, I'm six foot eight; I'm still trying to <laughs> develop fully. But uh, you know, he 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 has worked so hard, and you know, it's one thing to improve from you know the end of last year to the start of this season. But to your point, he's really improved every month of the season. He's made a jump, you know, from November to December, and December to January, and then the end of January to where he is now. He's played the best basketball of his career, so he anchors our defense and obviously we send a lot of things that direction and, and he's able to clean it up and make those shots difficult but you know we don't you know he scores 20 points in the second half against Sonogo at UConn so you know he's you know he's he's really developed his office offensive game as well you know your young guys in particular you know the three that make the old freshman team your freshman of the year on this team that, that has to I mean I don't know if that is the right word is vindication. I don't know if the right word is excitement. What is the right word when you consider what the immediate future for Creighton basketball might be? Yeah, you know, we, we kind of took a leap of faith and really a chance. Uh, you know, we, we recognize that everybody was probably going old this year because of the rules. Uh, yet they're here, they, here these freshmen are that are still available in, in, in March and April. And, you know, we already had Nemhart signed and Christophilus and Mason Miller. Uh, but, you know, Trey Alexander and Arthur Kaluma are available and, and and, you know, we just felt like they could come in and they could have an impact right away. So, you know, they've, they've, they've had an opportunity to play through their mistakes. And not often do freshmen get to do that because generally they're backing up an upperclassman. And the freshman makes a mistake. You go, go with the upperclassman, let them sit there and think about it. These guys have had to learn on the fly. So I'm really proud of the progress that they've made. And obviously, it, you know, hopefully it, it, it speaks to, you know, some pretty exciting times in Blue, Day, Blue Jay Nation moving forward. Don't want to jinx anything, uh, Greg, but I have you in the tournament next week. I'm not on the committee. If you want to fly me out to uh, Indianapolis, maybe I can put in a good vote. But uh, no Nemhart. You've had some time to adjust. Where do you think your team stands if you're fortunate enough to play in that tournament? Yeah, you know, we've played four games, if you count the last 15 minutes of the St. John's game, uh, without him. And we've found a way to win two of those games and, and you know, really got uh, Coach Cooley gave me, a, you know, a nice welcome to Providence when they won the conference championship that night. Uh, I don't think the Lakers were winning in there that that particular <laughs> night. So, and then we had a really competitive game against Seton Hall that we lost. So I think I think we're moving the right direction. Obviously, when you lose someone of of Ryan's ability and the pace that he plays with and the things that he creates for his teammates, uh, your margin for error becomes really slim. And that's really the world we live in. You know, we can't afford a sprain ankle. We can't afford foul trouble. We just don't have the depth right now to overcome that. So, you know, we, we're going to need to be a little lucky as we move forward. And yet, you've had someone like Trey Alexander 
commander who's equipped certainly to step in and try to take some of the reins, even though it's still an adjustment period for your guys. So you've got depth. It's just the depth isn't really learned yet. Is that right? Well, yeah, and and you know they haven't really played that position. Yeah. You know, we started the year with Sharif Mitchell and, and Nemhart being our two point mm-hmm. guards, and you know, fortunately, we decided to move Trey to the backup in mid- the middle of January. So he played five to ten percent of his minutes at the point. So at least he had some experience there and had an understanding of what we need him to do and how different it is from from being off the ball. Uh, but I, I've been really proud of the way he's played. He's done a good job defensively. You know, he's handled the pressure that you know that UConn and Seton Hall threw at us. Uh, and you know, he's going to be a terrific player. And and you know, the the experience that he's gaining right now because of this is really going to serve him well moving forward. You know, Greg, we saw you at the Big East Awards earlier this week, and you were there because. Creighton kids uh, picked up two of them, but also uh, I know your friend Coach Cooley was happy to see you there as well. You know, this is going back now almost 10 years. Why are you so friendly with Coach Cooley? You know, we got we actually got to not that there's anything wrong. I mean, yeah, I mean it's not easy, as you know. I mean, somebody somebody has to do it. I mean, you you feel sorry for some guys, and it's like, all right, let's invite him over to our party. But uh, you know, we met on a Nike trip uh, several several years ago, and and his wife and and my wife and I got to be fat, become fast friends. And you know, then at that time I was at Iowa State, and I end up in this league, and and you know, you just there's not many people in this business that you can trust, and most of the guys I can trust are head coaches now that work for me at one point or another uh, but Ed's Ed's one of those guys for me that you know anything going on in my life professionally or personally is someone that I can reach out to and I think he feels the same but really excited for him and you know he's very deserving not only of the Big East coach of the year but a lot of national coaches of the year honors that I think are going to come his way he's done an unbelievable job with this team and uh, I'm really proud of him if you could characterize Big East basketball in 2022 this is probably a question you weren't prepared to answer, but what would you what would you have called going around the league this year with the specter of COVID still limiting things a little bit? It you know cost you a couple of games here and there, uh, with the improvement of your team without knowing that you know hey going youth was going to be work for us this year. What would you how would you characterize this? This has been one of the most rewarding seasons of my career, and and for the reasons you mentioned, we're young. You still have the COVID thing. We had a big break around Christmas because. DePaul and Georgetown <clears throat> had issues with their their COVID within their programs, and then we lost the the Providence game on the day of the game. So now you you have breaks where you didn't think you're going to have breaks. Uh, you know, I think we went uh, 19, 20 days in between games. If you go back to before Christmas till we played again, that's hard for a young team uh, to adjust adjust to that. So I'm really proud of them. The Big East was a gauntlet this year, as always. There wasn't an easy out anywhere. Uh, so you know, for us to go 12 and seven in this league uh, with a young team, I'm really proud out of that group. Well, if we didn't have that Cooley guy, I think he'd be the coach of the year in the Big East, by the way, because I don't think anyone saw Creighton coming. Uh, where do you think you are as a program going forward? This is, uh, you, you can spit out the stats how many years in a row or close to years in a row going to the NCAA tournament. That, that's, that's such an achievement, such a gauntlet, as you mentioned, to get there just through this league. It's difficult. Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm again, I'm really proud of where we are as a program. It, it certainly didn't look in November and December like NCAA tournament was going to be a possibility. Uh, but these guys have stuck together, and it's been fun to watch a group that didn't know each other at all until June kind of develop a bond and a connectivity that is that has really carried us through some difficult times during the course of the season. So I like where we're at as a program, and uh, you know, obviously uh, we're not done yet this year. We hope uh, we hope we can have some success in the NCAA tournament. 
bucking the trend, going old school and building a roster, but not entirely. Still, though, with three good freshmen, it's a great future ahead, it would appear, at Creighton. Thanks to Greg McDermott for joining us. Okay, who's got next and who plays on? That's next, this week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next, this week in the Big East. Who's got next, this week in the Big East. Cole starts to his left outside the arc. No timeouts left. Here's Martin on the right sideline to Cole at the hash. Guarded by Slater. Starts back to the right. Cole to the basket. Puts it up right hand and good. And UConn leads by one. R.J. Cole attacking the 10. John Rook, Kevin McNamara, this week in the Big East for the final time from Madison Square Garden in New York. We, we put a bow on 2022, Kevin. Been a hell of a year. It's a hell of a tournament going on right now, too. No question, John. You know, I, I see seven teams. We've talked about seven teams in this NCAA tournament for weeks now. That seventh team, Xavier, it's going to be tight. At the very top, Providence and Villanova, I can see both teams pushing the three line at, at worst, Two four seeds. It's pretty impressive. Hey, our thanks to Villanova's Colin Gillespie, Providence's Ed Cooley, Creighton's Greg McDermott for joining us. Thanks to our flagship radio stations for all of their broadcast and highlight assistance throughout the season with some superb calls. Thanks to producer Kevin Collins for his hard work and attention to detail. Thanks as well to executive producers John Paquette, Rick Gentile, Kevin Ivory of the Big East. We'd also be remiss if we didn't thank all the coaches and administrators at all 11 member institutions for making themselves available to us and therefore to you. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook. You can find us on Twitter, at JR Broadcaster, at Kevin McNamara 33 and this puts the wrap on our season from the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden, and the 40th anniversary of one of college basketball's premier events. Enjoy the madness to come. We'll be back again next season for This Week in the Big East. Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. The executive producers are John Paquette and Rick Gentile. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.